you're listening to the 11th episode of the Postgraduate Environment Network podcast, PenPod. Today I'm chatting with Amelia Gunaraj, a fellow Master of Environment student and friend, as well as both a Westpac and Global Voices scholar. Today we'll be discussing the Global Voices program, Amelia's take on the upcoming COP26, as well as the power of youth engagement and some tips to get involved in the public conversation. I hope you enjoy this episode and make sure to follow our show as well as to check out the many other amazing shows in the Climactic Climate Podcast Network. Hi, Amelia. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak on the Pen Pod. Today, we'll be talking a little bit about the Global Voices Program and about the importance of youth in climate action. And we'll also talk a little bit about how students can get involved in COP and how they can contribute to climate action. And also some tips on if anybody did want to apply to the Global Voices Program, um, we'll provide some insight into that as well. So for starters, Amelia, if you could introduce yourself, um, I'd love to hear about your background and what you do with yourself. Thank you so much, Ken, for having me on the pen pod. I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, my name is Amelia. Um, I am in my second semester of the Master of Environment. I'm in the Education and Social Change stream. Yeah, I am also a Westpac Future Leaders Scholar and a Global Voices Scholar, so taking part in the Global Voices program. My primary interest is um, indigenous engagement and equitable climate policy, uh, but I'm also interested in community engagement. Yeah, equitable equitable policy across the environment and sustainability space. Awesome. Thank you for that. And such important fields. Also, Amelia is all the scholars. <laughs> um, such an impressive <laughs> background. So I was wondering if you could talk to us specifically about the Global Voices Program. What is it? Yeah, so... Um, the Global Voices program is, so it's run by this organization called Global Voices, which is made up of other young people who basically just want to increase the capacity of young people, the visibility of young people and get people more, young people more engaged in important policy areas like climate change, but also women's rights issues, basically just kind of get young people more involved in, in policy in general. So they do that in kind of a couple of main ways and so they have these scholarship programs where they train you to write policy throughout the program and they mentor you in that process and then you publish it at the end but also you depending on what program in you uh, you're in you attend um a, a conference so I'm part of the UNFCCC kind of segment so I'm going to be attending COP26 I know there was another group that attended a youth climate conference earlier this year. There's another group that's attending the Commission on the Status of Women next year. So there's a couple of key areas. So you prepare for that conference and they make sure you're across all the issues. And then you do some media outreach throughout the course of it too. So you kind of, you're encouraged to engage, to get other people involved and also to learn what media engagement and media outreach reaches like, how to pitch yourself, how to actually go out there and talk about the issues that you care about. Are there any specific outputs that you'll be doing through the program? No, no worries. Um, yeah, yeah. So you produce a policy paper. Um, it's about like 2000 words and they publish it in the Global Voices Journal and then they encourage you to try and get it published elsewhere as well. And then otherwise you have to do three kind of instances of media outreach. So you have to do like a partner piece with your university. It's like a blog post, um, but you also have to reach out to 
podcasts and radio stations and newspapers. So you might do interviews, you might write an op-ed. So there's a couple of things that come out of it, yeah. And some awesome exposure as well. Out of curiosity, where are the other students in the program from? Yes, yeah, so they're from different universities across Australia. So what happens is the university or your partner organization sponsors you. So I'm actually sponsored by the Westpac Scholars. There's another student from the Master of Environment, actually, that's sponsored by the University of Melbourne. So there are, you apply through your institution. Yeah. And so what are the main objectives of the program? I guess you have kind of three key objectives. So the first is to act as an important stakeholder. So actually performing that role, you know, meeting with important people like we met with, we met with DFAT last week. And it's you know, a two-way exchange, you know, we learn from them, we learn about COP, what the key issues are going to be, but we also inform them of our concerns and make it clear that young people are involved and do have clear ideas and solutions and concerns. So that kind of stakeholder role is one. And then there's the media outreach kind of part of it. So that's not only like training us and like helping us in getting used to reaching out to the media, but also to to kind of put young faces out there, encourage youth engagement and think about ways to get other young people engaged. And, and I guess the general public as well, you know, to increase general awareness of what respective conferences. So what COP26 is all about, what are the key issues and why does it matter that young people care? And then the third one is capacity building. So training young people to write policy papers, you know, for our, for our careers in future. Yeah. And just, you know, heading towards COP26, it, it feels like this is going to be a big one, right? There's been a lot of movement um, in the past couple years in terms of climate action. Unfortunately, because climate change is rearing its head a lot more, so it's yeah. become a lot more mainstream. We're seeing a lot of capital flowing into climate tech. We're seeing a lot of companies announce new sustainability platforms. You're super across this COP, and I'd love to hear your take on what maybe the outputs might be and some of the main challenges that we might see. Yeah, so I mean, the key issues that are going to be addressed at this year's COP are so mobilizing finance, so trying to get enough finance, particularly for adaptation and helping developing vulnerable countries adapt to climate change. And then there's, yeah, obviously securing higher mitigation kind of commitments. So, you know, trying to keep the 1.5 degrees Celsius in reach and then, yeah, making sure that adaptation in general, that there are adaptation kind of plans and roadmaps and that in particular, the developing countries are not left in the lurch. Oh, and that there's a lot of collaboration between countries. And then I guess a couple of kind of more specific things that are coming out of it are finalizing the rules for the Paris rule book. So how is the Paris agreement actually going to work in practice? And that means, you know, finalizing carbon markets and things like that. And yeah, I guess in general, just, yeah, trying to, trying to get a lot of concrete mechanisms out of, out of COP. I think the main challenges are going to be, it's really what happens before COP that matters because there are negotiations that take place in, at COP, but the reality is, you know, world leaders can't go there without having negotiated at home what they're able to do. Scott Morrison can't go to Glasgow and then decide if, if he hasn't already 
secured support for this at home that we're going to cut 50% of our emissions by 2030 and net zero by 2050. Like you can't. So the, that's what happens in the next couple of weeks is really crucial. And that's why so many countries in the last couple of weeks, you know, have been suddenly stepping it up because that's what they need to be able to bring to COP. So, you know, I think that's going to be a key issue. I'd love to just hear a little bit more you know as an Australian going into COP I feel like this is this is the elephant in the room right like Australia doesn't have a net zero target yet do you feel like that will change this COP and how do you feel personally about you know being an Australian representative going to this oh I think it's really complicated I'm not I'm not sure I mean it seems like there's been some wiggling in the last few days but it's going to be a week and a half of very intense negotiations you know in in, in the coalition i do you know the, the liberals are trying to get the nationals to commit more because because the thing is economically and from a business perspective it's disastrous if we don't commit to net zero you know a whole lot of investment is going to pull out of australia so i think I think the writing's on the wall, basically, that they they need to get, <laughs> you know, even from a very economically conservative position, you need some serious commitments now. So, well, I'm hoping that they bring a bigger commitment than we currently have to COP, but I just don't know how much bigger. My hope is that a lot of work is made up in the, at the state level and, at, you know, city level. So if it if not you know at the at the federal level i think there's some room to improve there but yeah we'll we'll see and in terms of how i feel as an australian attending ah uh, it's um it's difficult you know and i think that's that's actually you know a lot of young australians want a youth delegation to be able to go separately on our own in order to be able to express our views because a lot of young people don't share the views of the australian government yeah, I think it's it's hard because I think commitments are nowhere near enough. And also our track record on a bunch of other things like Indigenous engagement and protecting the most vulnerable people in, in our country and in our region from climate change and from the social and economic outcomes of climate change. It's a poor track record thus far and it looks like it's going to continue to be a poor track record. So it's a bit, it's it's hard, you know, but it kind of motivates you to kick up a fuss about it, I guess. <laughs> No, absolutely. And that, what you were saying about things being made up by state governments, I really admire Australia's state governments and private sector and local government. The, the work that they are doing in spite of a mm. laggard federal government is truly incredible. We're seeing so much innovation from the Australian startup community. We're seeing so much in terms of public-private partnerships for renewable energy. And there, there's so much coming out of this country. And it often gets obscured by the fact that... There is no net zero target. And I think you brought up a really valid point that despite all this innovation and all this progress that's happening because of our international reputation, it's possible that a lot of funding gets pulled out. And it's really important to not lose this momentum and, you know, keep that international interest flowing in. And that speaks to one of the goals of the COP, which is, you know, collaboration and stuff like that. Like, we don't want to be shunned by the international community. Yes, exactly. And just, I'm curious, as as a young person going to COP, I think the Global Voices Program is a great example of youth participating in the movement. Do you feel heard by the 
people sort of organizing the conference, the people making decisions around content and stuff like that at COP? Mm -hmm. I... Yeah, I mean, I think there have been a lot of really fantastic opportunities for young people to express themselves and be heard both within and outside of Australia. The question is if what is expressed, like how, how is that incorporated, you know, like how seriously is that taken, you know, it's really hard to know that. And I think, again, that's why a, like a lot of people feel like there should be a seat at the table specifically for young people, like not just as a, a stakeholder that's consulted beforehand and it's taken into consideration, but like being at the table where the decisions are being made. Because I, I mean, I think that's quite legitimate. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not just an abstract issue for young people. This is our future, our lives, whether or not you decide to have children. And for many people in the world, this is their current lived reality. You know, um, many people across the world are already experiencing climate collapse and disaster. So you know, I think in general, like a lot of these forums, they don't have embedded spaces for people in the rooms where decisions are being made, who are the most affected. So that's kind of a limit to how much you really feel heard. Like, yes, there's the, there's the Milan for Youth conference that took place a couple of weeks ago. And then there's the conference of youth that's taken place right before COP. And that's great. You know, they're going to have some great output. It's great to get people involved, get people engaged. But the question is, uh, is that being listened to? So, And I think this is a good time to ask you, you mentioned before that you have some personal opinions about the net zero by 2050 target. Mm -hmm. Could you speak a little bit more to what you think an appropriate target would look like? Yeah, I guess it's kind of complicated. Like, firstly, I just think it needs to be harder and faster, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I think it's not even so much that I have a huge problem with 2050 being the target it's just that I feel like when it's a few decades away the momentum is quite slow and I don't think the policies necessary to even achieve that target will be implemented in time I guess I'm not a scientist so I don't I don't want to say exactly but I mean like I guess more in the mid 2030s to be honest net zero by like 2035 would be my personal opinion and putting a whole lot of work and money and effort into reaching that if that makes more sense to me you know also because you'd be working on it right away and if you miss that target it's still a big deal but it's not as big of a deal as missing it by 2050 you know because like one of the big questions now is all these a lot of countries are saying that they have net zero by 2050 targets but the actual policies in place don't match up Currently, the UK has a net zero by 2050 policy, but their, pol their policies only actually make up like a 20% reduction of that, you know? So when, it, when you say 2050, I think it's a great ideal, but it's just, it's kicking the can down the line a little bit. A hundred percent. And something I think is really important to reiterate that doesn't get talked about a lot is that it's not like if we achieve net zero by 2050, that's it. We've ticked the box and we're, it's like yeah. every bit makes the climate crisis worse every time we emit yes any sooner we can achieve net zero emissions will mean less damage to societies and the planet so yes i completely agree with what you're saying it's all incremental and the, the sooner yeah. the better we can't keep pushing this off and i did read some report from bloomberg the other day about i think we have 13 years left at current emissions level before we break the paris agreement targets so which is more in line with mid-2030s than 2050 for sure. Yeah, exactly. I suppose, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our audience about 
cough before I move on to how we can t uh, how master of environment students can get involved. Yeah, yeah. I think what I would say is this is really important. Cop is really important, and um, it's you know I hope get a lot of good comes out of Cop. However, do not despair if it doesn't go the way that we're hoping it goes. That is my that is my comment on it because there is plenty. There is a lot of room for other action. I think there's a kind of feeling that it's like if this goes badly, God, we're we're we you know we're gone give up like no you know like just keep pushing at every other level that you can yeah so that that would be what else the other, the other thing i would say about cop yeah thank you i think that's a really important point because it's really easy to, to lose hope in our line of work but yeah. also so much positive progress out there like i was saying earlier so pivoting a bit i'd love to know you're kind of our line into cop how can other master of environment students other oep students be involved and contribute? I guess there's a couple of main things. I mean, in general, talking to people about it, posting about it, like in general, like raising awareness about it, you know, that does have an impact. Like the more pressure uh, people feel, um, leaders feel to, to get a lot done at COP, the better. So that's kind of one vague way. But there is, there are also, for example, DFAT has stakeholder meetings still for COP. So you can go to DFAT stakeholder engagement hub and you can go and you can say a piece there and they'll hopefully, you know, listen and maybe be able to take that with them. And then I guess, you know, reaching out to other organizations, like for example, there's an organization called Australian Youth for International Climate Engagement, AFICE. Um, so that's a network of young people and they, they, they make sure people are aware of youth stakeholder events and things like that. So like those are some like stakeholder ways of getting involved. But I think in general, yeah, just making content, talking about it. I think those are some really important ways of getting involved. And then I guess the last thing is that there are a lot of events that are open to the public. So it's unclear right in this second exactly the extent of how many events are going to be available virtually to the public, but there will be. So if you look up green zone events for COP26, those are all the ones that are available to the public and there should be some information on what, uh, which ones you can attend virtually. So I'll be attending some of those and I'll also be attending some blue zone events which you need credentials to get into, but the green zone ones, uh, free pass. Just to clarify, are you going in person to COP? No, <laughs> I wish. Sorry. No. <laughs> Is this no. because of the pandemic or because of something else? Yeah, so just because of border restrictions, it's really quite complex and expensive for organizations like Global Voices, like other youth stakeholders to go. Like, I, yeah, on the meeting last week with a lot of other youth stakeholders, pretty much nobody is going in person. There are a few people who are, um, but uh, yeah, a lot of like young civil society not, not going. So, but we have credentials and we'll be attending certain events virtually. There are certain events we can't go to, like we can't attend certain negotiations, but they might have been closed to us anyway. Um, but we'll be able to go to a lot of other events. So that's good. It'll just be in the middle of the night. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> Hopefully our Zoom woes will be over a year from now. <laughs> but 
been a long yeah. Zoom run. I'd love to ask you, you know, the, the Global Voices program seems like such a great opportunity. I know, I know that it's only one or two students from the Master of Environment every year, but I'd love to hear mm -hmm. your insight on if somebody were interested, how they could get involved and how they could set themselves up best to be a successful applicant. Yeah, keep an eye on like the Global Voices like social media because they have a couple of things at different times of year, I believe, that you can get involved in. And I think they're all really, really good experiences. Um, and I guess in general, my advice would be, so what I had to do when writing my um, application was I had to write like 500 word um, kind of policy proposal. Um, so I guess just like think long and hard about like what matters to you and um, what do you already care about? Like, you know, don't don't just pick something like a random issue that you don't actually that's not actually very near and dear to you because like it'll be harder to defend. Um, you won't know as much about it. Um, so, yeah, so pick something that's really close to your heart and then um, and then uh, yeah, spend some time on the application. Make it clear, be succinct, be concise, don't waffle. Um, and make sure that whatever recommendation you're making um, is, I guess, feasible. I guess you have to think, like, if this was a real policy being implemented, how would I defend it, you know? Yeah, I guess that would be my advice in, in applying. But And go, go to the information sessions as well. They're really quite helpful in the lead up. Thank you for that. That's really good advice. I suppose those are kind of all the questions I have for you today. I do just want to make a point that I think it's so important for youth to be involved in this movement. Like you were saying, there's more at stake for us, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is our future. We haven't had a chance to have decades of life on a clean planet yet. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I'd kind of just love to hear your take on what we can contribute to this movement and how best we can do it. Mm. I suppose be active and try to be visible. That's my point, you know, because I think action begets action. Seeing other young people, angry but organized young people, is really powerful because it shows that it's not just people caring about some popular issue in the news that's going to disappear in a week's time because you lost interest like no like that's not actually what young people are like it just like I think it's a very convenient narrative to say that young people don't care because if you believe that everyone thinks that you, you know if you believe that you're not very effective and that um you can't do anything then no then you know powerful people powerful interests are never challenged um, but if you believe that you can make a difference, then the challenges that need to happen, are hap they, they end up happening and, you know, solidarity is built, powerful movements emerge and change happens, you know, social pressure is real. So I think, yeah, seeing, seeing other people doing something, that's really, really powerful for building a sense of agency. <laughs> I mean, look at Greta, you miss 100% yeah. of the shots you don't take and who would have thought that some little girl would be such a prominent figure on the international stage and yes it's, it's really admirable yeah. and it's because she just did it yeah, exactly you know she shows up so show up you know you yeah know? totally agree <laughs> well thank you so much for coming onto the pen pod it's been really great to have your insights and we really appreciate um, you coming on and we can't wait to see, you know, the piece, the, the media engagement, feel free to um, let us know how we can support you and just thank you so much. Thank you, Cam. <laughs>